Hi everyone, 2021, let's fucking go! Welcome to a new episode of Queer Sounds. My name is Hannah, pronouns they, them. Queer Sounds is a podcast on queer folks' favorite tunes. We'll talk all about music, especially in this episode. Um, because for the first time, I've got more than one guest. Um, I'm a little bit nervous as to how this will go, like how this, how I'm going to structure this conversation when there is like three great people with a lot of cool stories. But let's just see how this goes. Um, our guest today, none other than Cat and the Hurricane. Hi, everyone. Good morning. Hello. Hello. How are you all doing this this lovely Monday morning? Ah, uh, you know, not too bad. Hanging in there. So, um, just for the just for the records, want to do a little round of pronouns so everyone knows what we're what we're dealing with, like names as well, I guess. Sounds good. Yeah, my name is Cat. Uh, I use he, she, they pronouns. And my name is Alex. I use they and them pronouns. And I am Benjamin, and I use they them pronouns as well. Cool, 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 cool. So, a little bit of an introduction from what I've been able to read. Um, your your catchphrase is um, uh, every uh, every gender, every genre, which I absolutely love. Uh, from what I've been able to dig up, you've been playing together for about five years, um, released an EP or an album in 2020 called Libra. And currently you're, you're plowing your way through a bunch of new singles. Isn't that correct? Yeah, we're kind of in a new um, era. We Kat started the project in 2015 uh, and slowly been evolving into the sound that we're, we're in now. And we're pretty excited about where it's going. Cool. So, so um, I, I bet we're going to talk about all of your musical references uh, along the way. Uh, before I forget, want to take the opportunity and... Um, Pluck some of your socials, websites, wherever people can find you in case they like what they're hearing. Yeah, we uh, are Cat in the Hurricane. That's Cat with a K um, on all the platforms, uh, Instagram, Facebook. On Twitter, I think it's just Cat T Hurricane because there's too many characters. Um, and our website is catinthehurricane.com and has links to all of the other places as well. All right. So... If I get this right, um, like obviously you haven't been playing a lot over the over the past times, but I found something along the lines of where you obviously prefer sharing like stages with like other queer bands. Like, do you how how different is the experience? Like um, a more queer lineup compared to like a more I don't know mixed gendered bill is that that kind of kind of makes me cringe to say that out loud but <laughs> for lack of a better word uh yeah it's it's definitely a joy to perform alongside other queer and trans folks um we're really lucky we're from madison wisconsin in the united states and we are are just so lucky to have such a vibrant queer community um there there are a couple other bands that we really love sharing the stages with. And there are plenty more that we haven't yet, um, which is pretty, pretty unique. Um, I think just from the music scenes that I've been a part of, um, we, we've definitely played with a lot of different, uh, bands from genres from like, I don't know, metal to like, I don't know, folky kind of stuff. Um, and, and play with a lot of different folks, uh, from, 
you know, lots of different identities as well. But it's always really special, I think, to have just a a, a totally queer kind of show and be part of that bill. Feels safe. Yeah, definitely feels safe. Right. Yeah, I bet. Like the the additional value of not just feeling the pressure of representing queer people at large, but you know, actually sharing their experience, sharing experiences, and you know, getting a sense of community, and like, yeah, getting involved with with a larger cause uh, instead of spearheading things yourself. That absolutely is empowering, I guess. Um, so. I was kind of wondering, how do you, um, like, just from a music marketing perspective, like, we've talked about a bunch of uh, artists in previous episodes, like, is queerness something people can and should use as, like, a marketing device? Because it feels kind of dirty to me. Yeah, we we were just talking about this, actually, in preparation for this and listening to past uh, some past conversations because um, thinking about like what constitutes a queer artist um, when you say it like the way you just described it like as a marketing tour tool um, saying queer artist is akin to saying like rock artist or like I, I don't know like teen boy band artist you know as if it's as if it's a genre or as if it's like a it's not that kind of adjective. Um, but at the same time, like we, uh, I think the three of us all have sort of an understanding that it's really important to us that people know that we are queer. So uh, like, it's sort of a weird line to walk. Alex, your jaw dropped when I asked that question. I believe you've got a lot to say about this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thank you for noticing it, it. It's definitely because, yeah, we were just talking about this last night. I don't know. It's, um, it, it's really, really interesting. We've gotten some feedback that like, well, why why would you, you know, posit yourself as like a queer band and put yourself in this niche where, you know, folks at large might not connect to that or might recoil from that. Like, it, it's just you're not you're not hitting the best and whitest audience with with this label. And it's like, sure. OK, fine. That that's fair. But it's interesting because alongside that, we often get comments like, well, like how do you think bands in the 80s or 90s ever got big? And it's like, well, like, who are you talking about? Are you talking about Queen, David Bowie, Prince? Like, all these people that were very, very, I think, especially to queer folks, very visibly queer and uh, very unapologetic, especially at times. So, like, I don't know. I don't think it's necessarily a hindrance that we are as out and proud as we are. I especially think for, like, representation and for, like, the younger generations. I mean, even our generation or older generations, like, folks you know, come into their queerness or transness and in, in, in so many different life stages. And I think that it's important for us to, you know, be, be there for them visibly in some way. But I, I totally, I totally hear you and hear folks where it's like, you know, you're putting yourself in this, in this niche or like describing it as a genre. Um, I, Definitely don't think that, you know, queer sounds is necessarily a genre, although when you have the history of like male dominated musicians, like as a backdrop of that, I mean, I think that's an interesting thing that we could probably spend hours talking about. But um, but yeah, I think that I think in some ways it, it does have its merits, particularly for for folks that don't often see themselves represented. All right. Yeah, I, I believe especially that last sentence really hit the, uh, hit the nail on the head like the the additional value of representation uh i mean i 
I guess we'll also get into like how that doesn't just reflect from like the way you present yourselves, but also uh, the lyrical context of your songs. But first, let's get into some actual music. First track of the day. Um, actually, is this one of my first introductions to pop music? It's like one of the very first radio hits I remember uh, hitting it big um, when when it did. There we go, with a reason by who this time. Maybe, potentially, one of the cheesiest love songs from 2003. But holy shit, this one just kind of digs into the public mind and is never letting go. So yeah, Hoobastang, the reason off of the uh, 2003 album of the same title. I believe... Um, Kat, it was you who picked this one, right? Um, yes, uh, I did pick that song. It is one of the very first songs uh, my dad introduced to me through like listening to the radio. And my dad also like took time and like taught me how to burn CDs. So when I was a kid, um, I would burn CDs with just like this song, just 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 one CD with just this song, and then I'd discover more songs, and then I would burn a CD with two tracks um but this was always the reoccurring song that would be on all of my cds uh throughout like fifth or sixth grade that i would listen to on the bus on the way to school in the morning <laughs> why this one though um i think it it was really popular at the time and then uh i don't know there was there was just there's just something about it uh it was like a grouping of like Hoobastank and like Avril Lavigne and like Black Eyed Peas, they were all coming out with uh, stuff at that time, and uh, I just kind of grouped them all together, and that was just my that was my fifth grade mix CD, you know, you know. <laughs> right on. Um, did you continue the habit of you know making little mixtapes for yourself? I mean, obviously over time they probably evolved into playlists, but like, did you, did how did it spark like the interest of digging through little musical crates? It did. Actually, uh, in fifth grade, when I would bring my CDs to school, kids, you know, were like, oh, that's really cool. And they're like, here's a list of songs. Can you burn me a CD? And I eventually like made it a little business where like if you gave me like five bucks, I would burn all the songs on the CD that you want. I would draw a little album art thing for you and give it to you in a little like thin hard case 
and I would uh, charge five bucks a pop because I had uh, unlimited access to LimeWire, which was not very good for my dad's computer at the time. But hey, you know what? I was having fun. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, wow. That's brilliant. That's brilliant. Um, So you were actually just just to be clear, like fifth grade at the time, that's like international public school systems. You must have been like around 12, 11 uh yeah i i want to say like fifth grade i was around i was like 10 or 11 right um so yeah so long ago i can't remember at the age of 10 already like professional bootlegger um (laughs) you know it so like you um uh, i believe alex who mentioned it before like you're from um uh, madison wisconsin and i'm not too familiar with Wisconsin itself. However, some of my favorite music is from the Midwest. And, you know, that's just me talking about um, the the Midwest emo scene, um, like American football, the Get Up Kids, like all of those stuff. Um, I believe that we're all about too young to actively remember the rise of those bands. Uh, uh, there there is a lot of hat shaking going on a lot of lot of lot of agreements um but yeah do, do you feel like um to to what extent did your did the environment you grow up in like actively influenced the music you're making now well first of all i just want to give a big old shout out to american football i lived in champaign urbana for school for about six years and actually spent uh, several of those living right down the street from the iconic american football house um, yeah, yeah, it was, uh, definitely, I think I had a big music, um, I don't know, kind of baptism in, in the Champaign-Urbana music scene, uh, personally, um, it, it, like, I think that both Madison and Urbana have just incredible music scenes and without like, you know, having a house show to go to every weekend or like there, there being multiple shows at bigger venues, like several times, uh, a month, sometimes several times a week um, here in Madison, uh, usually at least when it's not, you know, COVID outside. Um, like there's there's just like so many there are so many opportunities to plug in and to meet other like minded musicians. And I definitely felt the same way in Champaign-Urbana. Um, I also grew up um, in a different part of Illinois, but uh, also had a very vibrant music scene that my dad was a huge part of. So without that, I definitely would not have been surrounded by drums or going to gigs as like a four year old all the time, you know. Um, so I think that's a huge influence personally. Cat Ben, anything to add to that? Um, didn't start attending live music until I was in high school. Uh, I started out in like the screamo band scene, going to, uh, you know, metal shows and such with a group of friends and, uh, eventually evolved out of that scene and started, uh, sifting through like more on the lines of like Indian folk where I started, uh, I, I feel cultivating, uh, the sound that I ultimately ended up solidifying in my first album, Miles Away, that I released in 2017. And from there, I, I have yet again evolved. And now that I have Ben and Alex, we are also evolving once more. So it's just a it's an ever-growing, ever-changing uh, uh, musical experience that we are creating, even to this day. 
And I think locale has such a huge thing to do with that. I don't think we would have ever crossed paths, right? Like if we didn't know people who knew people who knew people who knew people in this like tiny queer like scene or the music scene even too of just southwestern, south central Wisconsin. Right. Yeah, that's always uh that's something I was told when I was about sixteen, you know. Because, you know, at the time you're looking at at how school is going and about if you're going to college or not. And the one wisdom someone gave me and I still act uh, act upon like to this day is it's not about what you know, but about who you know. So, yeah. But, you know, that's also part of this podcast. Like, holy shit, this is episode 31. And I've gotten to know so many fun people along the way. You know, grab every opportunity to can to meet new people. It's it's a whole lot of fun. Um, I feel like I'm rambling a little bit. Anyway, thumbs up. Um, I want I had a question ready, but I complete. Oh yes, yes. Okay. Um, so American football itself. If we're just gonna try and force a segue here, like they're famously try started out playing their instruments in alternate tunings because they just didn't know how to play their instruments. So are, 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 uh, there is a lot of laughter going on, a lot of recognition. Um, I, I bet that you're all self-taught as well, at least to some extent. Yes. Um, I, <laughs> we, we like to make fun. Um, <laughs> I, I do play and write a lot of my songs in an alternate tuning other than standard um, which always brings a fun flair to rehearsal when I'm like, yeah, Ben, just play this, just, just figure this out on the keyboard. And, um, there's a lot of transposing that happens and a lot of adjustment, but eventually like uh, n- now that I'm set in a way of writing in this particular tuning, uh, Alex and Ben have come, become very accustomed to it. And, uh, uh they just know me. <laughs> yeah my um musical journey started i took uh piano lessons and music theory as a child for many years so i have some background in that and i play keyboard um and so i have like a piano background in that sense um but i really started loving performing when i uh when i was in um, middle school, high school, uh, I got involved with uh, church music and like my family was very involved in that. And so that sort of taught me the art of improv. And so I have like the musical theory background, but the way I play is very improv. So I'm able to sort of like straddle the worlds between like when we're writing songs and cats like play this and I'm like I don't know what you're playing that's I don't think that's a real chord but it sounds cool and so if we're playing with other people or who are strictly like music theory trained I have to be like okay this is the words that Kat is saying (laughs) in in like music theory I'm like translating um but and in the end like it comes up with like a sound that's really unique because like the it isn't an alternate tuning and it is like unique chords and so that's what makes it sound really cool um, but it's just funny and like we like to make fun of it because it's <laughs> it's just funny sometimes to have to translate that conversation between like musical terms and like feeling terms and all of the other. Like, all right. Name, name some examples there. Like, how do you translate a feeling to music? <laughs> That's a good one. I mean, like we want to use uh, is walls in standard? No. That's... Is pieces in standard? Yes. <laughs> Okay, well, t- talk about walls then, because like I know we, we have a breakdown every time we <laughs> try to teach someone some of our non-standard songs. Um, so the way I wrote walls, it's in an open E 
uh, tuning. So I I grabbed that inspiration uh, from Glenn Hansard. I don't know if you're familiar. Doesn't ring a bell. Uh, also, just to clarify, season. can you uh, like elaborate on what an open E tuning is for those who aren't, for those unaware? So instead of a standard tuning, uh, I tune up my A, D, and G string uh, just by a uh, just a full step. A full step, and it. All <laughs> ah, right. So like when you strum, you you don't have to you don't have to put your fingers anywhere to get like a standard just standard E major chord. Correct. So then it just leaves uh leaves the fretboard wide open um to. I don't know, just just be set in this really beautiful like E sound, and then there's there's just so many things that you can do. So for me, it's more like patterns, uh, more than anything. Which raises the next question: like, if you want to strum um, like a chord without needing to do anything, um, why not just tone down, tune down your 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 lower e string like a, like a full step to a d to a d because you'll get the same result i uh you're not the first person to suggest that to me i know um, i'm not but you know i might be i might be sent- sentimental in the fact that that's that's how glenn does it and that's how i like to do it too <laughs> like i'm i'm just over here beside myself like cackling laughing and like it's just so funny every time we invite someone to come play with us we end up having a similar conversation <laughs> well and and it's funny because like it makes sense to us like especially like Kat and I have been writing or jamming together for a couple of years and so like we know each other's brains when it comes to like what the courting is at this point and so when other people step in it's just funny because you have to have the same conversation over like what what are you what are you playing (laughs) (laughs) all right at at least now this conversation is recorded whenever someone asks again you can just play it and so you don't have to explain it yourself over and over again you're doing us such a favor thank you oh wow so um I bet you've got a lot of musical ambitions yet. Like, um, for example, if we're going to talk about like specific musical choices, you also would strike me as the type of people who would not necessarily go all out in like glitter performances, but more in the route of like <laughs> pulling a full orchestra yeah. into the studio with you. Wow, that that lands. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we're in it for the feels, I think. So how close are you to realizing like uh, ambitions like that? I was going to say, it really helps to know uh, a huge amount of uh, musicians in this uh, this music scene. So we're, we're friends with a lot of people. So we've got um, quite a few friends that play quite a few different instruments. So it's really easy to call upon them and... Uh, you know they're the willing and able and excited to be a part of it um yeah yeah ben what were you gonna say oh yeah i was gonna say we like we're slowly building an orchestra one piece at a time like we had um on our song walls we had a friend who played clarinet and saxophone for us um in some of the stuff that is upcoming we have uh, someone who played violin for us um we've gotten just like Pulling in favors here and there. So eventually we'll have built up a full orchestration. Yeah, I think one of my favorite shows we've ever played was with someone who played upright cello. That was rad. Right on. 
I think it's time to get into track number two for today. So, in all honesty, 2014, not a great year for music. However, Paris was also released that year and that made things just that little bit better. remember it was the summer of like 2017 2018 i could have seen paris live and i still very conflicted about missing them because i was at a festival and they were playing and i was there with a bunch of friends no one wanted to come along with me so i could have gone to paris but i decided not to because everybody else wanted to go and see Sean Paul. Wow. <laughs> I feel that pain. I almost saw them like three times before I actually did see them. Just because other things came up and yeah, I feel that pain. Yeah. In the end, I'm not, I mean, I'm kind of at peace with it. You know, it's been a while. And let's be real, as misogynistic as the lyrics in Sean Paul's song might be, you're just ha having a beer with your mates and it's like, yeah, whatever. Um, so, Ben, you're the one who picked this track. Could you elaborate what, what made this this song, uh, Holy by Paris, off of the album White Noise, stand out to you? Yes. Um, this is one of my favorite songs of all time, which is I'm really bad with favorites uh, and picking favorites, and it, it shifts a lot for me. But this one, um, for you know the past five, six years since it has come out, has been pretty consistently up there. I was just reading uh, earlier about Paris a little bit more and someone had described them as a, a half and half between dark electropop and stadium rock. And that is like what makes me love Paris so much because as like a keyboard player, I am a sucker for 
a really sick like 80s synth beat um and they do that but it's like dark in and suppressed and ambient in a way uh it's very bassy but it's got some of that like rock influence and that just like uh, it just gives me the chills and this song in particular like when i heard the story behind it lynn gunn the lead singer of paris talked a little bit about just when she first came out to her mom and like left a note on the pillow that was like i am queer and like left home for a bit and just had to sort of break from that um and i don't remember all the the details so i don't want to say something that's wrong but i just remember connecting to that story and hearing this song uh, and knowing that it was sort of very personal for her as well as just being like something that i absolutely can jam to every day of the week so it just this song has a special place in my heart so um, when it comes to your own personal experiences, I've been kind of falling back on this specific question. Like it's been it's been recurring because I feel like all the answer the answers have never been disappointing and they've always the answers have always been interesting. Which is how do you experience gender? Yeah. Oh, I love that question. I, <laughs> uh, in varying ways, um, I identify to put a word to it as agender um i also identify as non-binary um for me i experience gender mostly in absence of it <laughs> like i just don't feel super strongly about any gender like i if i dress super or if i present myself in a super masculine way or in what uh, others would perceive as a super masculine way i feel like i'm like doing drag in a sense um, but if I present myself in a super femme way, I also feel like I'm doing drag. So both of those things can be fun for me at times. So just like whatever, but neither of them really reflect that I have those genders. <laughs> so for me, um, yeah, that's the best way I can describe it. I think is that it sort of fluctuates, but, um, I think that gender is a beautiful thing, but it's, it's not for me. <laughs> Kat, how about you? Well, for me currently, I feel like I'm <clears throat> just discovering all of that recently uh due to you know living and being around people that allow the exploration of it um so coming from a small town country town in southern wisconsin this was never a top of a topic of conversation ever you know um just was always told that you know i am a a female and that's what i am and then, uh, you know, I moved away from home and was like, huh, maybe that's not the case. Um, so I, I feel conflicted at this time, but mostly that uh, gender, kind of like what Ben said, it's just not for me. Don't really feel like picking a particular one. I present more masculine, but that doesn't mean that I feel like a man or I want the, the masculinity without the, I guess, the label of it. Just want to present how I want to present. And that is that is what is most comfortable for me. Sounds good. <laughs> yeah, I kind of don't know what else to say about that. Like, yeah, just everyone's rolls with, with what feels right. And so, uh, you know, when it comes to discovering, like, how your queerness is, like, put together, like, all of the different aspects of it, I bet writing lyrics definitely like is therapeutic for that. Um, Absolutely. Um, so, like, I'm. Um, uh, my guess is that I, I haven't paid too close attention to the lyrics, but 
Well, I, I simply write what I know and what I've experienced and uh, what I write about is the experiences I've had throughout my life with many different chapters, many different people. Uh, I've learned a lot from everyone I've met, some good things, some bad things. And the one way to overcome any of that is to put it in writing and create something beautiful out of it. And that's why I have Miles Way. That's why we have Libra. And that's why we're going to have, you know, new music, uh, you know, ending with this hell year and then going into 2021. Like, we're just going to keep singing about our experiences because we're allowed to do that. (laughs) Because, you know, as as a queer band, like, there's just... I guess limitations have been felt in a sense where it's like, oh, are we allowed to do this? But also at the same time, at a point, it's been like, are we allowed to exist? So it's like walking on eggshells. So unapologetically, you know, we are doing this because, you know, we are what we are, but we're also people that just want to talk about our own specific experiences. And if that has to do with, uh, you know, uh, queer relationships and queer experiences and then... That's what we want to talk about. And those are things that um, I feel are less covered in like mainstream music. Uh, it's 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 evolving now. But yeah, we're, we're doing this for ourselves and for, you know, maybe some baby queers that have not uh, figured out who they are yet. And we're hoping that we can help the process in any way, shape or form. So, uh, Ben, you and Kat kind of go back and forth when it comes to um, the vocals. Is that also reflected in the songwriting process or like the lyric writing process? Uh, yeah, it is. It is now. So um, when I I first started performing um, in the band in the very beginning of 2018, so almost three years. And when we started performing together, Kat already had a batch of songs that became the Libra album. And so Kat was like, here are these songs that I've been writing. Um, and together we sort of like arranged them and added drums and piano and all the arrangements um, into what they have now. But then since then we've collaborated and since Alex has joined too, like we've collaborated more. Sorry That I'm Like This, which was our song that came out in November, is the song that we did the most co-writing on. Like I wrote a verse and we sort of swapped uh perspectives on that song which is the most we've done so far but yeah it's exciting to to collaborate how do you mean swapped perspectives um uh, just perspectives on the song itself or also like singing about the same subject from different perspectives well uh so that one is sort of telling a story i i love the lyrics of that song because it can sort of apply to anyone but it came from very specific stories cat came and um i don't even know if it was a songwriting session per se but we were just like chatting and cat had been going through this situation with a person um and they had a frustrating situation that had happened and i was like oh my god i just had a very similar situation with a different person in my life and going through that awkward dating phase where you're just like constantly apologizing being like sorry that i'm awkward sorry that i'm like this and so we realized that we were like in different ways going through the similar feeling. And so Kat came up with the chorus and like this first verse and the chord progression was like, here's this idea. And I was like, it just sort of flowed from there. And I was like, oh, I can tell my story using the same format. And so I kind of copied the the lyrics and like rewrote them to apply to my situation. So then we co-wrote the bridge to like apply more generally. So that was kind of a cool process. All right. That sounds like a lot of fun. So um, when it comes to, we've, we've talked about weird tunings and stuff, but lyrically, do you have specific people you draw inspiration from? I draw inspiration from many, 
many, many different bands. And I feel like that's what we are as a band also, is that we're a mod podge of all of our favorite influences, singers and songwriters. So I feel like we pull a little bit from each one. So there is no clear-cut, specific um, one inspiration. It's It's really... It's whatever's on my Spotify playlist, you know, like all of my faves, uh, all mixed together. Yeah, no, I, I wasn't, I wasn't expecting like a clear cut answer. I was just kind of fishing <laughs> for some, for some examples. Yeah, I, I have a, um, I think musically, like I draw more inspiration from, you know, the like electro pop anthem rock, like I said before. But lyrically, I think I really draw inspiration from the way a lot of folk singers write, and like Phoebe Bridgers right now is doing some amazing writing, and I love her stuff. Um, in the past, it's been when I first started getting into pop music, I Ed Sheeran like writing and just like that, that kind of like storytelling form of, of, of writing lyrics has always been an inspiration. To me. Yeah, Ben, I feel like a lot of your stuff is very coffee house in like a very, very good way. Very, very good way. Um, definitely, definitely hear that. I Yeah, I think that. Like, I, I grew up with a lot of different kinds of primarily rock music. My dad's a big, like, 80s hair metal kind of kind of dude um, and likes a lot of, like, harder rock, uh, a lot more, like, mainstream rock, a lot of classic rock. Um, but honestly, like, I feel like I get the most inspiration from, like, more, from more, like, artful indie kind of uh, takes or, like, more, like, hip-hop or R&B kind of infused um, stuff. Like, Warpaint is a band that comes to mind, like, I think that Stella, their drummer, is one of the best of all time. And Jenny Lee Lindbergh on bass just, like, really rocking that rhythm section. So, and and I think Stella, like, really does get a lot of inspiration from hip-hop and R&B. And and so, yeah, just bringing a lot of funk into this kind of rock sound. Um, And I I feel like I, in some ways, like, shifted the tone of some of our songs in doing that. Like, I think Pieces is one of them where it's got, like, that kind of, like, or Red Line even where it's got, like, kind of more of a bunky beat to it um with this like really interesting ambient shoegazy (laughs) beautiful stuff like on top of it with kind of indie folk like lyrics and sentimentality like it's just really interesting how I fit in with that um but it's been really 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 fun to just bounce ideas off of each other and bring in things that we like um or just be like hey I heard this like look at this uh yeah love that so if you would all with the three of you have to agree on like the most influential musical decade let's make it let's make it a bit easier let's say decade which one would it be honestly i'm just gonna put it out there and say like 80s synth wave Uh, i was gonna say 90s like the combination of like the baby emo grunge with like indie but i think the 80 yeah maybe 80s is well you might be onto something though ben i'm thinking like a lot of like riot girl and like queer core stuff like definitely are huge influences for for us especially around like some of our more like punk sides or like the cure like that's definitely yeah or tegan and sarah so like yeah i mean that kind of makes the 90s their their first album came out like 98 or 99 they're in all three (laughs) decades they're in all three (laughs) but the 2000s era is really really good like 27 or 2007 with the con like life-changing i'm kind of surprised well i'm not really surprised i i i i get why you're you you'd you'd all sort of a, well wait no let me let me let me sink let, let's let's sink this in for a little bit because 
there is a lot of cognitive dissonance in my going on right here. Like, um, personally, the 80s, love the era, but when it comes to musical influence, they're just kind of still vibing off of, of what the 70s have produced. 90s, though. Yeah, I don't know. Um, um, jury's still out. Jury's still out. I'm not entirely <laughs> sure if I can agree with you. <laughs> inconclusive <laughs> yeah i think i think if there's one thing that we could probably all agree on it would probably be tegan and sarah but like the decade is probably gonna throw us all off because you know they've just been around for a while yeah that's true that's true like but you know you also mentioned the cure um which is also like you've got tegan and sarah to close off the 90s and go on from there and the cure to kind of like start in the late 70s so there we've got like 60 years <laughs> worth of music exactly <laughs> so uh let's let's see i'm kind of thrown off by the fact that you all mentioned like tegan and sarah some kind of common denominator because that like that that that's an artist that's kind of like a blind spot for me like i've checked out their stuff but it's not on my a rotation um you've got some homework to do <laughs> yeah like what flavor of of music do you most like because we could probably find you an album of theirs that would best sync up um all right yeah sure uh um personally i'm very much into uh, in, into punk myself today I've been listening to uh, X-Ray Specs uh, what else have I been listening to The Cure like you mentioned Fontaine's DC Joy Division like that's like the, the all of the all of the punk post-punky type of, type of stuff but you know like you said it just kind of fluctuates but I think that's also like my, my general musical preferences it's mostly genres that end with unk like it, it's not just punk but also like funk and uh like when we're getting into drum and bass territory like the neuro funk noisier type of stuff so yeah it's 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 it, it's all over the place depending on my mood but you know genres are so passe anyway i feel like you're letting me talk about myself a lot which is uncomfortable <laughs> <laughs> well we like making friends <laughs> time is flying by so let's Get track three going on. Wipe off the 
Gee, Alex, I wonder why the drummer picked this song. Yeah, no, I I could not tell you. Might be the excellent percussion. Yeah. Who knows? Like it, it it could also just be like uh, a Phil Collins pretty face on like the 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 face value album cover, like the the, the really up close that you get there. And like, yeah. Oh yeah, oh yeah, definitely. Uh, have a lot of really great memories of Phil Collins and Genesis uh, from childhood, and yeah, when Lucy put this out. Ugh. Yep. Ugh. Yep. Lost it. Yeah. So this is uh, off of the 2019 EP, a collection of covers, including but not limited to uh, La Vie en Rose, Fool's Gold, Dancing in the Dark, and last but not least, Last Christmas. It's January, so we're going to <laughs> skip this bit for now. But yeah, uh, it's, 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 an artist I'm not that familiar with. I checked out her stuff. I primarily know Lucy from Boy Genius. But yeah, like you... Yes, Kat, take it away. I would definitely check out Historian if it's the last thing you do. It will probably be the first thing I do after I leave this studio. For a good cry. (laughs) Yeah, for a good cry, indeed. Okay, in that case, I'll wait at least until I'm home. (laughs) Gotta have some privacy. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, no, it's I I also have some very fond memories of of Phil Collins like back in the day when my my dad got his first laptop and let me digitalize all of his music. Like there was a lot of Genesis and Phil Collins in there. He actually uh I don't know if you've seen this, but he updated like all of his album covers. So What? Yeah, Phil Collins Phil Collins changed all of the album covers in Spotify. So instead of, you know, the face value album cover, like back from 81 when it was released, it's now just a picture of his old, of, of, of his aged face. Whoa. I'm going to have, I'm looking at, I'm looking this up right now. This is, this is really interesting. Live reaction. All right, here we go. Oh yeah. Oh wow. I, oh yeah, no, I totally, I totally did 
hear about this, but it didn't. It did not hit me at all as much as it is right now. This is fascinating because he looks basically the same. Is that what you're saying? A little, a little bit. Yeah, I, I might not have like actually. It might not have actually hit me, but this is actually kind of, kind of brilliant and a little, just a little curious. I think. The like Phil, what's going on? The many faces, indeed. Phil <laughs> uh, Collins going all memento morianis. But I was actually quite surprised when I heard this song. I wasn't aware that this cover was out there um, because, you know, there are only so many artists I'm able to keep track of because I'm only human and stuff like that. Also, please, Spotify, I've listened to Phoebe Bridgers. I've listened to Julian Baker. I've listened to um, what else is in that list, like... Uh, soccer mommy so they could at least like take the hint that if something like this comes out i want to be made aware of it i don't know how algorithms work i don't know the technicalities behind it but with all of the sad lesbian singer songwriter music with all of the 80s covers you'd think that spotify would let me know if in the air tonight by philly Dacus is released but no am i pronouncing that last name right i'm probably not right Dacus, uh, I we're, we're actually there's some controversy controversy at the house. I I'm not sure if it's Dacus or Dacus. Uh, I swear I've heard someone say it. I swear I've heard her say it. I have no <laughs> idea. It just doesn't stick in my brain. Let's just stick with Lucy for now. There you go, Lucy. It is. But with with all joking aside, um, why this track specifically? Oh yeah, absolutely. So when I was looking at this prompt for like you know best concert experience, I, I've definitely I don't know if this would qualify as the best concert experience, but I think this concert experience definitely is up there. But it has so many funny, interesting memories associated with it that I think just really exemplify. I don't know your 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 stereotypical queer queer scene. Um, I mean, so the show, the show itself. So I, I think that I heard Lucy do this cover um, at a different show that that I saw her. But I remember when um, this was like back in November 2018, uh, we have this ginormous new venue that uh, was promoting Phoebe Bridgers and Julian Baker, uh, along with Lucy, we're going to be, uh, you know, playing a huge gig. And so, of course, you know, I was going um, and as one does um and i think the boy genius album had like just dropped like the previous month right before this show the end of the uh, end of october maybe i think or sometime in october and so it was this really weird mixed energy like truthfully i don't know if i knew that boy genius was also going to be playing like or if it was just going to be everyone playing individually and when i got there i like First it was Lucy, devastating. Then it was probably Julian, devastating. And then it was Phoebe. Um, and then they played every single song on their Boy Genius EP together. Sick. And so that was in total, I think, like a four-hour show. Um, it was extremely long. I was in so much physical pain, standing on concrete, like did not wear the best shoes to be standing on concrete, as one does, you know, going to a show. Um sure just musically in incredible um like i think this was probably the first time i had seen lucy because the second time uh i i got to see her was at a smaller venue and i think she played in the air tonight which is just 
such a great cover. Like, I think it fits her so well. And of course, the drums are amazing. I love a good digital acoustic mix. Um, and uh, yeah, this 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 show, though, the Boy Genius show was not only just beautiful and very, very long and physically and emotionally painful, um, but it was like so interesting because little did any of us know um because i did not know cat or ben yet we were all at that show wow we were all sitting and suffering together um and just like having our little hearts and minds blown by these three incredible artists um and it was just so funny because i was there with with a friend i think i i can't remember if i was like meeting up with someone as a date or a friend thing or whatever but and my friend left to go like talk to Kat and they eventually became like a romantic pairing. And then I think Ben was there. Ben, were you there for a completely different reason? Or were you there with Kat? Oh yeah, yeah. Ben was there with Kat. Like I think that there were a bunch of our of other friends that we would eventually get like really close with like yes. there to yeah, Candace. Was there. Yeah, there were a bunch of other folks and we were just kind of like, I don't know, navigating the whole person who knows a person who knows a person who knows a person like navigating between like new like crushes maybe lovers and like also like navigating like avoiding exes and like all these things um and it's just like what a perfect backdop to have like lucy bb and julian and then later boy genius just like destroying all of us like it was just it, it's just it's so funny to look back on <laughs> I, I'm, I'm jealous of you i would have loved to be at that show so um i bet that when you're going to shows for the sake of you know seeing a show you go there with different eyes than when you're like actually okay let's let's get some inspiration to get for for our own live shows in a when when live shows in a world where live shows in a world where live shows are possible um dun, dun, dun. <laughs> <laughs> so how do you how do you approach your own life um your your live gigs yeah that's a that's a really really great question i think i'm gonna kick this to cat and cat and ben a little bit actually what's your approach what's my <clears throat> approach to live shows first you book it <laughs> then you play it no i'm just kidding um <laughs> <laughs> so Ben do you want to kick this one off <laughs> um, indecisiveness doesn't help <laughs> yeah well I think like you raise a good point like looking at a show through the eyes of like I'm here to have a good time and just sort of like let all of my guards down is a little bit different than like from looking at a show from like a business if that's the right word but like an artist perspective and I, both from shows we're playing at and even sometimes shows that we're not playing at, but like going and it's like friends we know playing or um, bands that we look up to, like there have been times where it's just sort of like gleaning inspiration. Um, I, I think of one show in particular, one of all of our favorites, I think we played, um, it was in our hometown. We got to open for this band called Yam House um, and they're from Minnesota uh, and they had blown up a little bit the year before they had gotten to open for Bishop Briggs and they um, were, had been sort of in the position we are in, in terms of like following and, and shows just a year or two before. And so we got to open for them and we got to chat with them backstage. And it was very much that just sort of like a gleaning, like what can we learn from you and watching their live show and their music is a little different than ours and their demographic is different than ours, but just watching like, how do you engage with the audience? How do you engage with sort of like 
the sound professionals in the the bars because you are just a little bit further along in sort of the professional career and like how can we learn sort of what it is to I don't know be music professionals if that makes sense yeah and I I it's interesting because like I I really appreciate this question because it's making me reflect on like what I get out of watching a live band that I really enjoy and honestly like I whenever I go to a show I am just laser focused locked in on the technical stuff like what is what is the drummer doing what is their technique like oh this is how they're doing that fill or transition like that that's really cool I'll have to like you know reflect on that later at practice or something like that or like what are the pedals that the guitarist is using like exactly how are they like modulating sounds or not um and it's interestingly i i don't pick up on a lot of like the showmanship stuff so like when i'm playing a show i'm just like very focused on like technical like what exactly like am i doing what exactly like am i making a good sound am i making the band sound as good as they can like am i making cat and ben sound as good as they can and so i think that's where i'm at i think these uh, these other two might be a little bit further along in terms of like getting into the like oh this is how we hone the showmanship side uh ben and i have attended a couple of uh shows together and i feel like every time individually or together every time we go to a show it's like doing homework you know it's watching other people in your same field doing exactly what you're doing and the point is to yeah I guess pinpoint what what do I take away from it uh what emotions do I feel and how would I like to uh I guess hone that into my own uh performance and I don't know uh, just finding a way to first of all have fun because if we're not having fun on our own uh, while doing it, then what's the point? But also being able to engage with the crowd and get everyone involved as much as possible. Yeah, I don't know, making it an overall great experience. So we do a lot of homework by listening to music and attending live music and then also connecting with bands when we can. Can't tell you how many times I've uh, stood in front of the stage at the High Noon Saloon in Madison, Wisconsin, uh, to have finally achieved that just last February. Um, it was an incredible night. Felt like we all felt like rock stars. It's like finally, this is our moment. We made it. We're on the stage that we've seen so many of our favorite bands before us. Yeah, it's just kind of mind blowing when you look at it from that perspective. Yeah, I kind of enjoy the the answers, like the, the overall vibe here, because it really falls back on what we talked about before like how you're really the the just friends making music instead of like the large glitter bombs that other people might expect at like at at, at shows yeah it really is like uh, you know if it's if it's authentic then i think that that translates on stage um you know and uh i think alex said once and i don't remember the context of what someone had said but like we're not trying to be pop stars like (laughs) you know we're just trying to make music that makes us happy and it's fun (laughs) so where do you hope to go like in the uh in the near future well i think um yeah yeah i i think that First and foremost, we got to get COVID under control um, regionally, nationally, uh, just to be able to play shows even in our hometown. The last show that we played, um, it was a socially distanced outdoor show, but that and that went very, very well. Folks were very, very good about rules and and being safe. But like, yeah, we tried. And it's just we 
you know, there there are a lot of reasons why we would want to play, but there are also a lot of reasons why we, we don't really feel like asking people to come out and see us play. So right now we're really focusing on like amping up our live stream game, um, getting good technology for good recordings, home recordings, um, and making sure that we are as accessible as possible and can play shows um, and have fun together uh, in the meantime. But I think that uh, looking forward to, you know, the, the big vaccine rollout in, in America, whatever that's going to look like or end up being um, or resulting in, we want to get back on uh, in the van, get on tour as as quickly and safely as, as possible. Uh, we actually, when coronavirus started, were three days into um, our very first ever Midwest tour um, for the Libra album and had booked with a ton of friends um, and uh, a lot of new folks as well, folks that we were really excited about playing. We had a band on Joan Jett's label that we were going to play with in Bloomington Normal, Illinois. And oh gosh, there were there were a bunch of other like really, really cool folks that we were going to play with. And unfortunately, just for safety reasons, we had to cancel that. So we hope to get back out. Um, we had even had like a summer tour yeah. tentatively planned as well for this summer that obviously could not happen. Um, so so yeah, I, I just cannot wait for us to play live shows and then uh, get back in the recording booth. We got we got some new music coming out, but we are we've been busily writing this quarantine season. Exactly. I mean, the quarantine season. <laughs> wow. I mean, as long as that it's been like it's been a good year, huh? If 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 that's kind of would can it even be still called a season? But yes, you're right. Um, so you've been working your way through some some new releases. You mentioned, sorry that I'm like this before. Uh, the track we're going to play at the end of this show is out of my mind, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, so. Um, Before before I hit play on that, why don't you go ahead and, and introduce the track a little bit? Well, this song is called Out of My Mind. I uh, wrote this one a couple years ago, brought it to Ben, and kind of started formulating what we wanted it to sound like. Uh, it has evolved already uh, from where it did start. Um, it's uh, a song about mental illness and wellness, and uh, just kind of... Uh, was going through going through a rough patch there so I basically just translated what I was feeling in the moment on you know paper and then um, had a open E tuning uh, chord progression that I had been playing with and when I put them together um, it all started to make sense um, so this is lyrically probably one of the harder hitting songs um, I just wrote down what I was feeling in hopes that, I don't know, somebody somewhere out there can um, relate on that level of what it's like to live with depression and anxiety and how uh, we overcome it uh, on a daily basis. Beautifully put. Um, ben, Alex, Kat, it's been a pleasure having you on. Um, we're going to play the last song for now. This has been Queer Sounds. If you like this show, check out queersounds.com to get in touch. Our socials at queersoundspod. Um, here is it, out of my mind. My anxiety won't let me be me, so I say the darndest things. Somehow I'm jumping gun I don't blame them when they run 